Welcome in the podcast, Pete Forsey. That's the show. That's my name. Appreciate you pressing play and welcome to Super Bowl week. We just wrapped up a press conference with Roger Goodell. I didn't get to see much of it, but I am going to touch on just how this week is covered and how the media is just so enormous and something that caught my eye earlier in the week from Brian McCarthy, the NFL uh, a spokesperson. I'm going to be touching on the NFL and, and just how enormous this Super Bowl game is, along with the stakes and my Super Bowl pick, who I think is going to win, and how players from a reputation standpoint, they got a lot on the line this week. In addition, I'm going to be touching on Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, some quarterback carousel. I, I think it's time that the Packers maybe just cut bait with number 12. I do. And number four, I think he's going to have a market. The old Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. And I think there's some teams that should give up a should give up a day three pick to land up. And then I'll touch on uh, 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 the WBC baseball-wise, because that's going to be around the corner. We'll be full into spring training before you know it. Uh, it's episode 109 of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. So Tom had announced his retirement, of course, after I put out last week's podcast. So I'll touch on his retirement uh, this one for good, he says. Really, when you look at his career, I know there are detractors out there, and it's much rooted in the fact that he was a six-time champion with the Patriots. They have some shady things going on. Belichick, when everybody's beaten up on your team, you want to find a way to knock it down. That is not where Tom Brady's greatness is. It's not just in winning Super Bowls. Of course, that has part to do with it. And a lot of it has to do with just winning games overall. His greatness is in his dependability, his mental toughness, his coachability. He is the most mentally and physically prepared quarterback ever. He is the greatest leader in team sports history. There are stories upon stories upon stories of how he treated every teammate from practice squad to Wes Welker to Gronkowski the exact same. Walked up immediately to each teammate, day one, practice one, extended his arm and said, I'm Tom Brady, I play quarterback. And it was not a uh, Aaron Rodgers sort of condescending way, it was a legitimate nice to meet you kind of way. And in practice, the stories are all the same. How Brady was willing to take the coaching from Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick was willing to ream him in any film study. This looks like Foxborough high play. That's the famous one that we hear about Belichick. Tom Brady will always go down as the greatest champion, but it's rooted in the practice habits and in the leadership. The guy is second to none. You never hear about Roethlisberger being a good guy in the locker room. Not that he, he he was a bad person, but you never hear of him going the extra mile. You never hear it about Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees, even, was a union guy. He was always looking for the biggest paycheck. Tom Brady would take half of what his market value was. Peyton Manning, another great teammate, but they kind of looked at him. They kind of looked at Peyton Manning as like another coach. You know how you're in a locker room, you treat your teammate one way, but when coach walks by, you don't always say what you would normally say to your teammate. There were some instances with that with Peyton Manning because he was so maniacal with his preparation. Sometimes he would lose touch with those around him. Tom Brady was never that way. You factor in 
All of that, plus how he was so malleable as a player from a system point of view. He came in and he was more of a game manager and was able just to dink and dunk. And then he would go to the Moss and Wes Welker, throw it deep. And then he would change to the Aaron Hernandez, Gronkowski, two two tight end formation. And then, of course, the scat back later on his career. He's played in about four different systems and all of those in one in a weird sort of way. He had the continuity with Josh McDaniels, but it's in his versatile play and how he was able to drive the football despite not even having a fantastic arm. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever, not because of championships, but because of his intangibles as a leader, his coachability, and his ability to be a neutral system quarterback. So it's Super Bowl week. We are live in Glendale, Arizona from my hotel room. No, I'm just kidding. We are here in St. Louis. I'm one of the few who is not in Phoenix right now or Glendale. I'm presuming everybody is staying in Phoenix, but then Glendale is actually where the stadium is. So I'm not sure where all the 128 outlets are. That's something that I saw on Twitter. Brian McCarthy, the NFL spokesperson had tweeted out a picture of Radio Row and all the desks that are set up. This was the Sunday prior, so uh, about three days ago now. We're recording this here on Wednesday. He was talking about how post-COVID, the media sector has even grown further. It was already ginormous prior to 2020, and and it's gotten even bigger. And it it made me think, the smaller media is a better media. Yes, I love being able to do this in my basement and reach people, but it has created chaos amongst the information out there. I know Kyrie Irving just got traded to the Mavericks, and he's bemoaning the fact that there's false reports out there about him, and I imagine there probably are, and I feel for the guy. Do I think he's a jackass? Yes, I do, but he does have a point that when you grow the media, when you grow the pool of people out there, It makes it much more competitive for those people, and you got to find a way to make a living, to be gainfully employed. That often leads to you bending the rules, not always following the code, not being a big journalism uh, guy that's you know following how he uh, studied or she studied at Syracuse or, or Fordham or wherever you got your degree, University of Missouri. It leads to things not always being on the up and up, and I and I hear that, and I think maybe with the NFL. It's gotten a little too much into the Twitter uh, corners and kind of reporting and believing what you see on that Twitter app with Elon Musk like that's reality. And it just is not. I was at a uh, at a barbecue. It was about 55 degrees here in St. Louis. So we had a, a little barbecue for my for my uncle. And those guys are 60 years old. I was talking to all of them. And you would just think they're in a completely different world with the things that they're saying compared to what you see on that Twitter app. It's not the same. And Twitter only comprises about 6% of Americans. And even fewer actually engage in the app. They're just reading it. So am I on it? Yeah. Is it an efficient way to kind of post your thoughts? Yeah. But really, it's a very, very, very small community on there. And you know, I, I think with, with this Super Bowl, we're kind of post-COVID. You know, the 2021 was really the last one before that pandemic hit. In the last two years, it has not been full strength. It really goes to show just how massive the sport is, how much it means to people, along with the fact that it can get a little clunky as far as the information that's being delivered. And I love 
that we have a sport that means so much to people. I love talking about it. And it's only going to continue to grow because when you look at these TV contracts and the money that's being shelled out to Tom Brady to take over the number one spot, man, oh man, there are big bucks in the NFL. Whenever you get to this game, it's hard to be overly confident about an outcome. It really is unless you have a situation where a team limps in to the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen all that often. Only time I can really recall is Nick Foles with the Eagles. And, you know, they they put a stomping on Minnesota. But at the time, you thought they really didn't have a shot against New England. And, of course, they ended up winning that game. So could I see the Chiefs winning? Yes. Could I see the Eagles winning? Yeah, I could see the game going a multitude of ways. The more I think about it, if Kansas City is able to get the ball opening drive, go down and score a touchdown, and then get a stop on the succeeding drive of Philadelphia, I really like Kansas City getting out to a 10-point lead, 14-point lead, and running away with it. I do not like the corners on this Philadelphia team, and I know they got 50 sacks or whatever the hell it is on that defensive front. They're fantastic, but Kansas City, that offense – Their quick game, Patrick Mahomes and his mental processing and obviously being able to get the ball out quickly and Andy Reid understanding that, they're going to be able to take that defensive front out of the game. And they've shown before they are successful at getting those slants in. Sprint right, left. Sprint right, uh, right. And getting the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, even last game with the Bengals on a hobbled ankle. I think Mahomes can do it again. He's going to be healthier. And he's shown it throughout his five years of being a starter. I think they can manufacture drives. I can see them getting out to a 14-point lead and blowing out the Eagles by a final score of 30-17. to I really think it can happen. I think those 17 points from Philadelphia, I think those could come in quote-unquote garbage time once the game's already in hand. That's how dominant I think the Chiefs can take this one. I do respect Philadelphia. I respect what they've been doing with Jalen Hurts. He's done everything that Philadelphia has asked of them, but they are going to be limited. And I do think with Steve Spagnuolo, the plays he has been able to dial up and create negative plays and get this unit to play its best football in the most meaningful games late in the year, he's been doing it for four years now, It's incredible, and I don't expect them to be ill-prepared here in the Super Bowl. We're also in rarefied air here. Two-time champions. Not a lot of people can say that. And this roster, you know, you you got Travis Kelsey on the Eagles, but a lot of those cats, you know, this is really their first time trying to win a Super Bowl. I know Howie Roseman has won one, but from a player perspective, the Chiefs, I I don't think they're going to be they're not going to have their foot off the gas in this game because they beat the Niners three years ago. They lost to the Bucks the next year. They have that bad taste in their mouths, and now they're going for it again to be a two-time champion. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Mahomes, um, uh, Andy Reid, obviously, uh, missing players on the defensive front and even the offensive line. These guys, Kelsey, one of them, these guys are hungry for that. You become an indelible figure in your community when you're a two-time Super Bowl champion. You will be talked about as one of the greatest runs in football history if you're a two-time champion. Oftentimes, if you just make it twice. We talk about the Seahawks all the time. 
They went to two Super Bowls, only won one of them. I think there's there's an edge right now to Kansas City that oftentimes with teams with this success, it doesn't always happen. I think they're going to get this done. I think they're going to come out with an edge. I think Philadelphia, they could feel that pressure early. It's a young team. It's a young quarterback who's limited and what he can do as a passer. I think the Chiefs take this one handedly again, 30 to 17. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that could be on different teams next year. Brady, he's gone. Aaron Rodgers continues to go on McAfee's show and just say some weird things. Like now he's about doing a darkness four day retreat where he doesn't see anyone and, you know, he doesn't eat anything. And I guess he is allowed to use the bathroom. Last one, he didn't use a toilet. This one, he is. And, He's talking about retirement and other teams after he just signed the contract with Green Bay. He's the one actively bringing up that he could be playing elsewhere, not the Green Bay Packers. I feel like if you're Green Bay, and he's phenomenal, he won back-to-back MVPs, but it goes to show that when you don't have a complete roster like Green Bay did, even with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, which he was, they weren't any good. So... What is his worth, really? What is it? He, he was an MVP back-to-back years. Did you win because of him or because he had good rosters? Because when the roster declined, Rodgers didn't rise up. He didn't rise to the occasion and band-aid all your scars. I'm not saying he's not capable of that. I'm not saying that he hasn't done it before, but he didn't do it in 2022. And you just have this repetitive, talking about retirement, kumbaya speak your speak the truth be honest sort of thing it's like at this point if you're green bay i'm just gonna roll with with love we drafted them in the first round for a reason if you're good against like we're tired of this he would be cheap you can then have a quarterback who's not going to be so opinionated that's not going to be so needy i can understand where the packers make this decision for them or, or for Aaron Rodgers. And maybe they even say, we're moving on to Jordan Love. If Aaron wants to be a backup, he has his spot. But we're also not going to trade him based off his decision. We're going to trade him what's best for the Green Bay Packers. So it, it's gotten really tiresome from a public perspective. I can't imagine what the Green Bay front office is saying. And then when you look at Derek Carr, there's no way he's not going to be cut. I do think New Orleans, who's desperate for a competent quarterback along with Carolina in that same division, you have to consider giving up a day three pick to get a player of this caliber. Is he Aaron Rodgers? Is he Mahomes or Burrow status? Of course not, but you could win the division with just competent quarterback play. And yeah, a a day three pick, a pick that's actually lower than what Derek Carr was drafted for. He was a second rounder in 2014. That would be worth it. But then you might have to renegotiate the contract. And that's something that it sounds like Carr is not willing to actually budge on. So it would be it would behoove you to actually sign him in free agency after he's released. So then the pro-rated is actually paid by the Raiders. So there's a lot of good spots out there for him. I think New Orleans makes perfect sense. I think Carolina makes perfect sense. Any other team, Tampa Bay their kind of style, Todd Bowles. I don't like that so much, but I think there's a lot of teams out there that would be happy to have Derek Carr over their incumbent starters. And then Matt Ryan, 
read something uh, by Stephen Holder, who does a great job with the Colts. And Ryan's contemplating his future, but from a financial perspective, he should not retire. He's going to take home 17, 18 million bucks, even if he is told he's not going to start games for Indianapolis. So it would be smart and wise on his part not to announce retirement, but he's made a bunch of money. Maybe he doesn't care, what have you. I don't think anyone's really going to pick him up. I do think there's good football left in him. He kind of reminds me of Peyton Manning at the end of his career. I think he's gotten hit a lot. And then I also think that it's led to him anticipating pressure. So if he can catch it, again, once quarterbacks get hit, like Eli, sometimes they cannot get it out of their head. So if you can get a good offensive line and get Ryan back in a groove where he's mentally not thinking about that, I do think there is some good football. I'm not saying 2016 MVP football, but I do think he can win some games with Matt Ryan. A team like Tampa Bay, if he can get an offensive line, does make some sense. Now for some news and notes around Super Bowl week. You see a lot of players going and talking and going on Kay Adams' show and going on McAfee, going on Pro Football Talk. and It's a fun week. You get to hear from a lot of NFL players because they're going to accept their awards and they're just not having a schedule like they do during the regular season where they're preparing to play games. So it is a good opportunity to pick their brains a little bit. I know Christian McCaffrey said he thought that the game was stolen from them when Brock Purdy got hurt. I think that's a bad look. I really do. Is it unfortunate circumstances? Yeah. The game was not stolen from you. You guys could have elevated another quarterback. It would not have made sense. But don't say that the game was stolen from you because of the NFL. I I hate when people blame the rules because they lost. It does not make sense. The rule has been like that the past 10 years, that the third quarterback on the depth chart is not automatically activated if the second one, if the backup on game day gets hurt. Do not blame the rules. You lost because of unfortunate circumstances. It's not the NFL's fault. And that gets me to Roger Goodell, who had his State of the Union address. He does it every Super Bowl, every Wednesday before the Super Bowl. I haven't had too much push to my phone. I haven't had a chance to actually watch the full press conference, but it's a totally unfair exercise because he's just besieged from the media. There's just people swarming around him, and they just have theoretical dodgeballs, and they're pelting him with questions. And a lot of them are unfair. They're loaded long-winded that don't make any sense and he's forced to answer them and I always thought it was a cheap look on the media's part but it is their opportunity after all to reach Goodell and he talked about how the officiating has never been better in the league and you know there could be some merit to it when you actually look at the grading of the officiating maybe it is the best that it's ever been but with that there have been some glaring mistakes that makes sense when you're looking at frame by frame replays of football it would make sense that the mistakes that we see are now more clear and more blatantly obvious because we have better footage once again I'm with Goodell and then I also saw that the Arizona Cardinals they're not going to hire a head coach along with Indianapolis until after the Super Bowl which makes me think that both teams are eyeing someone on the Philadelphia and Kansas City staff it makes me think that Philadelphia, Shane Steichen is going to be the Arizona Cardinals head coach. And that on the Indianapolis side of things, Eric, the enemy of the Chiefs, is going to be the Colts head coach. Anytime the owner, like 
Irsay came out, and now I'm seeing from Schefter the Cardinals are doing the same thing. Anytime you see it until after the Super Bowl, that makes me think that it's a member of each staff. I'm going Shane Steichen, Arizona, Biennemi with Indianapolis. The other thing that I saw is that Chase Young, Rivera publicly said that they're just not sure if Chase Young's going to have his fifth-year option picked up, which is kind of insane when you think about it. 2020 Defensive Player of the Year, had a monster season, a whole bunch of sacks. Then he hurt himself in 2021. 2022 was kind of a weird year. Like It really felt like something fishy was going on. Like His rehab wasn't going well. Maybe he wasn't showing up. Uh, you know, ready to go and actually attack his rehab and get healthy. And then it seemed like he wanted to play, but then the team didn't think he was ready to play. Something to watch there. Things are getting weird with Chase Young, kind of like, you know, Lamar Jackson, which anytime you're $100 million apart in your negotiation, that is an astronomical amount of money. They're not a a year apart. They're not a, a couple million on the signing bonus. $100 million apart. And I said it years ago. I said it then. I'm saying again. Maybe that should be a segment. I said it then. I'm saying it now. I said it then. I'm saying it now. Lamar Jackson needs to hire an agent. You need a professional to do this. You cannot have your mom, who doesn't have a background with this, and yourself go about it. You're the most important player playing the most important position on the field in football. You're the most important to the franchise. So what are you doing trying to negotiate yourself? I know Roquan did it. He plays a linebacker. That's easier. Get a professional and get it done. It would have been done prior to the season, and you'd be filthy rich. You're already filthy rich. You'd have more money. Trying to squeeze out every dollar, is that really going to help you win? Is that going to help you become a champion? We mentioned earlier in the show, champion is how people are remembered. Nobody remembers your, your total earnings in your career. What's most important to you? And Lamar's got to start asking that question. So after the Super Bowl, obviously we'll have a show that'll come to you Monday evening. And then after that, it's going to be on to MLB spring training. Pitchers and catchers will report. We'll talk about the upcoming season there, things that we see during spring training and and things to keep an eye on. But we'll also get the World Baseball Classic. And this is the first year since 2017 that we'll get that. And I'm pretty excited about it. I'm putting a lot of stake into this one. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be really let down if it's not. I might even make my way out to Phoenix, to Chase Field, to to see Mexico and the United States face off. And it's going to be cool because the United States, the players are showing up. I remember Noah Syndergaard, he's since kind of fallen off a cliff. But back in 2017, the most recent WBC, he said that, Players don't dream about winning a WBC. They dream about a World Series. So that's why he didn't go. And it got a lot of flack, somewhat rightfully so. I think it's, you know, everybody's open to their opinion, whether they want to do something like that or not. And Mike Trout, he didn't quite say that, but he was trying to prepare for a World Series coming off an injury, I believe. And Mike Trout didn't participate either. Trout's now now on the team. Arenado's on the team. Goldie. You're getting a lot of the best American players. And, of course, a lot of the Latin players, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, uh, even Croatia, the Netherlands, Japan, all these teams are going to be represented. Baseball is a global sport as well as a regional sport. I've said this before. It's not national. That's what makes Shohei Otani such a unique figure and really why he should be even bigger because he's famous 
in Anaheim, in the Los Angeles area, and of course overseas, but nationally, he's not really recognized. Not like traditionally you see with the NFL. And I feel like this WBC is going to be an opportunity to really put together the best U.S. players and domestically put us on the map as far as our baseball. Not that we aren't already, but it's always neat to be able to do an all-star format like this when really in a lot of other cases, basketball being the exception with the Olympics, football, it's non-existent. You're not able to do it with other sports. And I think it will go a long way with USA and just representing the baseball side of things. I know there's going to be some college guys. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's always better to have meaningful games in March rather than just looking at spring training. I'll take baseball any way I can get it, but I love when there actually are stakes at play. It's why I like the old all-star game format where World Series home field advantage was at play. I'll take this. I can't wait for it. It'll be right after the Super Bowl. That'll do it. Thanks so much for choosing the podcast. Pete Forsey, share with your friends, share with your folks. We'll be coming to you after the Super Bowl with our reactions to the game. Hope you all have a comfy seat. You got a big TV. You got snacks. You got drinks. I'll be glued to my new basement TV. Me and Ms. Taylor, I'm going to be making piggies and blankets, probably some wings, all the snacks, big time heartburn. But nonetheless, I'll be back at it on Monday evening to give you my reaction. So look out for the episode there. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Pete4C, in-game tweeting, the podcast at gmail.com. Shoot me over your texts, uh, your questions, your comments, whatever. We'll read them right here on the show. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.